Yes, indeed. There's a war going on, Lord God, and you know it, and we know it. But the battle belongs to you, and the victory is yours, Lord God. So we come against the enemy. We fight from a position of winning. And Lord, I thank you for tucking each one that hears today into the safety of the palm of your hand, that they will feel your presence. Your Holy Spirit will work in their hearts, in their spirits, to confirm your word to them, that you give us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, a heart to embrace it and understand it, that you give us understanding as you said, because without that, the fowls of the air, the demons, the liars come and snatch the word of God out of our hearts. So I pray today that you give us understanding. I thank you, Jesus, that you had to die on the cross for us. There was no other solution, and you were willing to do that, to pluck us up out of the hand and the grip of the terrible one, that we might be saved and set free and sanctified and and brought into your kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, for the promises you've given us, including the ones to protect us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that you cover us, our relationships, our families, our health, safety, traveling, vehicles, finances, even the call to which you've uh, placed upon us, that you would perform it, Lord God, and that you'd cover those who work for us and pray for us and love us and the many that have helped and listened to this radio rescue radio show, that you would encourage each heart today, grant answers to prayer, miraculous breakthroughs and and demonic deliverances. Father God, in Jesus' name, give us your wisdom and may we speak today as your uh, representatives, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking today about repentance and... um <clears throat> well, me. along with repentance comes confession, and along with repentance and confession comes salvation. And I think one we want to talk about today is that so many times people are led in a sinner's prayer. They're led through Romans ten nine and ten. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead? Um, if you believe, you know, confess, you're saved. But we also have to understand to flip that coin over. That on the other side of that salvation. Uh, is it's really embracing a new set of beliefs. It's embracing the Word of God. It's embracing the, the way God um, has set forth the plan of salvation. And it also then means letting go of our own strongholds, lies, mindsets, belief systems that have held us, locked us in a sinning behavior um, before we, we met Jesus. Yeah, we read about John the Baptist. His message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus message when he came forward he says uh mark 1 15 he says the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand in other words the kingdom of god is right in front of you it's in your face it said repent and believe in the gospel and so that's the same message that god has given us mm-hmm. uh, we on the day of pentecost peter spoke it out he said they said men and brother they were convicted in their hearts they said men and brethren what should we do and jesus said repent every one of you, and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, you know, repentance then means something. It, what does that word well, mean? Well, the word repent means to, to think differently. Oh, change it, your mind. To change your mind, okay. to, to reconsider. Okay, good. And That's uh, exactly what it should mean, because repentance needs to be done before we can enter into the new place of salvation and um, the Word of God. So yeah. 
But, yeah. but the other word is confess. Well, what does confess? Confess means simply to acknowledge or assent. Okay. We okay. admit that we've sinned. Well, we have some very good examples of that in the Old Testament. But let's start for a minute with Genesis 3, 9, where Adam had sinned. He's the first, you know, Adam and Eve, they sinned. Obviously, we know the story. Um, and, and God cried out to Adam in 3, 9, Adam, where are you? Where are you? No, it wasn't God. He'd hid himself from <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, it wasn't like God couldn't like, find it's him. It's like you, you, you're going to hide yourself from God. Well, it was like he had removed himself from the glory of God because he had transgressed against the commandment. And so actually what happened was Adam realized he was naked. And the reason he did that or saw that or recognized that was because the glory of God, the light of God had left him mm-hmm. and the covering, which was the glory of God left him. Then he saw that he was naked. And so then what did Adam do? He hid. He, he, he tried to hide from God. He didn't want to fear came well, instead of, instead of yeah, the intimacy typical, with God, there was fear. I'm in trouble. Came into that so I'll get in trouble. I'm getting, so when people get in trouble, they hide from God, they run from God. And that's the worst thing you can do. So what God was basically saying is, Adam, where are you? Adam, confess to me. Adam, confess to me. What did you do? Um, because Adam says, well, I, I was afraid. I was naked. I And then what did Adam do? He went and did the very religious things we all do. Hide and fix. You try to make yourself better. You try to make the fig leaves cover up your nakedness. You try to, you know, get, get your religion going on. And so that you can, you know, make yourself feel better for a while. But that's not the remedy. So the remedy, God says, was basically, Adam, confessed to me. Where are you? What did you do? But you notice Adam never confessed. Eve got close. She actually, you know, we could say she blamed the serpent, but she actually identified the serpent as the deceiver. And with that, um, she was telling the truth. And so God could work with that. But notice he really couldn't work with much of what Adam was saying because Adam was just silent. He didn't say anything. He didn't acknowledge anything. He didn't say, I'm sorry, I wasn't watching Eve better or closer. He just kind of, you know, shuffled his feet along and to see what would happen and let Eve kind of take the blunt of whatever it was God was going to say. And so the confession for Adam never happened. And because it never happened, and who knows, if it would have happened, maybe everything would be different today. We mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. But he didn't acknowledge his sin, and that's what happened. Some people equate confession with repentance. And confession is if you acknowledge your sin and then you're turning from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are people that maybe confess their sins all day long, but mm-hmm. they don't really change. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know how to get out of well, Okay. Of, of the lies and the sin Be- that they're in. Because it's familiar to them. It's like, so the real root of this issue of confession and, and repentance, repentance, like you said, means to change your mind. Well, what does your mind do? It thinks thoughts. It, it has holds con- concepts and beliefs. So when you change your mind, it means you're changing your idea, your your what you hold to be valid or true. You're changing that. You're uh, allowing that to be altered and it's altered through the grace and power of this of the gospel. Change is a scary word to a lot of people. People want to change because they don't they want don't to be wrong. To change. They think that well, if I just make you know resolutions, try harder. You know, New Year's resolutions, which I'll are stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to do this, and I'll be better, and I can change. But it takes a revelation to be able to change your mind. Right, exactly, and to confess. So that confession, revelation, comes from God, um, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit brings to uh, to light our sin, the rebellion, the consequences we're in that we've been kind of got used to, the transgressions where we've crossed the line, uh, broke the covenant with God, um, where the where we've transgressed. Um, the, all of that that's gone on 
before that has brought us to this place of negativity and destruction and consequences and calamities are the consequences of sin, we, we have to see that. And, you know, back in the day when uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel were all coming back to God, confessing the sins of their people, um, repenting, um, and even leading the people in these repentance, prayers of repentance, they did that so that when they went in to build the wall or rebuild the city or be set free from captivity, the 70-year 70 70 captivity, that these these things that God wanted to happen would happen. So they had to confess their sins to get back in the clear so that their agreements would be with God and not with the devil. Well, in Leviticus 26, 39, God lays it out. In the whole chapter, he talks about the sin, you know, the idolatry, the, all of the things. He says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then he said, and, and of course, they disobeyed and they broke all the covenant laws. Um, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They made idols and et cetera and gone and on and on we go. But he said in, in verse 39 of 26, he says, if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you. So this sin accumulates through the generations as an iniquity. It becomes a, a heavy uh, burden that we carry. That it's an open door. It's a it's a pathway, whatever you want to call it. That Satan uses that pathway of iniquity to come down and keep bringing judgments upon the next generation and the next generation, until by the third and fourth generation you're just heavy down, burdened and beaten down with the things, and you don't even know where they're coming from. I see this all the time when I do the generational bloodlines. Up in the generations, four generations ago, they made an agreement with Satan. They made an agreement with Freemasonry, with the Illuminati, with, um, you know, with sexual perversion, whatever it was. Or and, and then that just keeps coming down down until you, at the end of that, bottom of that line, bottom of the avalanche, like I say, will stand up and take your authority as the authorized representative of that bloodline to confess those sins and those iniquities, just like ne- Nehemiah and Ezra and Daniel did, before you can get a, a get a foothold or get a traction in going in the right direction. So when when people get saved, it's a perfect opportunity to confess your sin, acknowledge it, and, and deal with it by declaring you're changing your mind, you're acknowledging it was a sin, and now you're going to repent, change your mind, and follow Jesus. Now it's a <coughs> excuse me mm-hmm. the. Um, in, in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 6, and, it, and he says, uh, we're beginning with verse 5, Why then has this people slidden back? Jerusalem is a perpetual backsliding. They hold fast to deceit. They refuse. They hold fast to deceit. Yeah. They hung on to their lies. They refuse to return to the Lord. And he says, I listened and heard, but they do not speak aright. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Right. You know, well, that's like the question today, that God asked today. Uh, Adam, where are you? What have you done? And for uh, us, it's individually everyone, the same. Everyone turned to his own course mm-hmm. as the horse rushes into the battle. So it's interesting where there was, the, got to the point where in Second Chronicles chapter 36, where God had sent prophets, messengers, day after day, year after year, speaking, warning, speaking, warning, calling to repentance, and they refused. Mm-hmm. They just totally, Hardened their totally hearts. refused. And, and the Bible says, uh, God says, until there was no remedy. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was left was, was judgment and the captivity. the captivity. And then after the destruction of Jerusalem, years of captivity, finally then, then 
<laughs> way, way after the fact, uh, here come the people of Nehemiah uh, in the time of Nehemiah standing and, and confessing their sins. The turning sins of from their, their fathers, sin. the generation The sins of the refused. fathers. The fathers didn't confess right. their own sins, right. so they had to confess the sins of their fathers so they could go after forward. all this destruction had happened. Right, and so it was very it was stubborn, <clears throat> stiff-necked. But I, I believe we need to you know, personalize this a little bit. Um, so confession of your sin, you know, whether it's before or after salvation, confession comes from and through a revelation, a conviction, if you will, of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, that you are lost, that you need a Savior, that your life is going well, that you're, there's something missing, something wrong. And so when that appears, when that comes into our consciousness, when we understand about that, that this, this is coming, our situation is springing from a long-standing resistance and rebellion against the covenant of God, breaking the law, um, and the destruction is the consequence of sin. Now, what, what is sin then? Well, sin is actually a behavior. It's anything that comes between us and God that separates us from God. It's a behavior that comes from believing a lie. All sin comes from the same thing, believing a lie. The lies may be different, but the fruit, the sin, is the same. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. God's mad at me. Um, you know, I have to please God. Uh, God is mean, whatever the lie is. But sin, your behavior, comes out of that lie. Now, being sinning does not change your being. You know, you can be a, the daughter of the president and, and sin, or you can be the daughter of the president and be caught in, in uh, kidnapped. It doesn't change your identity. You're still the daughter of the president. So what we see here is that um, our identity, our, our daughter or son of the king, is who we are, but we're not behaving that way. We're behaving under the counsel of the lie. So the lie is the root. It is the source of the behavior. Think about it. Whatever you're doing, the basic bottom line confession you need to make is that you have believed a lie. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge that you've believed a lie and then repent of the lie, turn around, change your mind, um, you know, take, take a different course. So the lie has to be identified. The lie is the root the source of the behavior. Therefore, believing the lie is what gives power and um, permission to the lie to work, to produce the individual sin, transgression, trouble, whether it's an individual sin or a generational iniquity. Because an iniquity is like an accum accumulation of generational sins that kind of backlog. So to get rid of the sin, which is the fruit on this evil tree, you don't get rid of the tree by plucking off the fruit. The fruit of the tree is rooted in the lie. The, the tree the, gets its sustenance from the, the root, the lie. So the lies must be revealed and rejected. So confession is exposing uh, the sin by, I, I sinned, God. I'm acknowledging that I believed a lie. Again, confession means to acknowledge. I'm acknowledging that I believed a lie, and I'm declaring with my mouth that this lie, this sin, has been an act of rebellion committed against the law of love and against the goodness of God. So what all sin is, is a rebellious act against the law of love. You've, def you've defrauded someone else. You've sinned against them. You've taken their stuff. Maybe it's a sin against your own self and or and against the law of God's goodness. So it, we, and there are, there are many types of sin, all, all kinds of sins, idolatry, witchcraft, sexual perversions, defrauding others, you know, bullying, judgment, judging, 
uh, religious self-righteousness, lying, all kinds of sins, but they all come, they all produce and come from the same root, the lie, that you are not believing in the goodness of God. You're not believing that God's way is the best way. So repentance and confession um, are the only means that we can be qualified to be saved, really. I mean, you can't, you can, what does saved mean? It means being born again. What does born again mean? It means you had to die in order to be born again. So salvation has with it also the side that I, I died. I died with Christ. I was crucified with him on the cross. Um, and I participated in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And now the same uh, spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in my body. So confession uh, and, and, and repentance deliver us from the lies we've been locked into. These, these lockdowns, these lies that we've been locked down into have created or, con- or created strongholds. And those are what have held us captive. So when you're in your life, you have your life, but all your temple, let's just say your body, your temple. But inside of that, Satan has constructed strongholds, jail cells, if you will, um, areas where he runs it. He controls whatever particular area it is that he is, he's controlling. Um, whether it's your relationships or your finances or your ability to quit using chemicals or whatever it is, he, you are living in, in, in that held hostage, held captive in your own life. And that's why Paul says, who will deliver us from this body of death? The body of death is a programming software that Satan uses to run these strongholds. And the strongholds are made up of lies. You think about it like a jail cell. Every bar every, on that jail cell is a lie. Or if you're thinking of a, of, a, of a stronghold, a fort that you're you're held captive in, all of those 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 boards and and b- bricks and stones are lies that we have come to submit to, and you know this whole world is given under the sway of the evil one. So there's really not much other to consider than that this is coming from the evil one because everything out there, all of what appears to be, all of the political systems, all of the economic systems, all of the religious systems, all of the educational systems, all of the, uh, the, even the family systems, the judicial system, they're all controlled by and under the sway of the evil one. The only way you can get out of that evil, this evil world is to die. And the way we die is to be born again. And the way we die is to let go of, cancel out your agreements with all the lies of this world so that you can be free to walk in the fullness of his goodness and peace. Well, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Second Peter 3, 9 says, God is not willing. He's patient toward us. He's not willing that any should perish. We, we want to, a lot of times we want to avoid that word because, you know, we're lost. We're on our way to destruction. Mm-hmm. And God is not pleased with that. He will. He's done everything he possibly can right. to keep us from perishing. He gave his son on the cross. Right. And, and, and the mess, that's the, that's the only way of salvation. There's no other name under yeah. heaven by There's which no, we must no be saved. There's no fig leaves, no good works. It's, 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 only it's repentance and faith in Jesus. Now, what Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel, the good news, and the so good news. So there's two parts to that. You yeah. have to repent, let go of the old, the old lies, the old strongholds, the old ways of doing things that have controlled you because the lies have been controlling us. Now God wants us to come under the control of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a matter of adding Jesus to our the repertoire of our life. Right. 
you know, and I'd say, oh, I've got Jesus and I'm just going to keep living the way, the, I want way the way I've always lived. No, no, no. It's a, it's a new life. It's a new way. It's a new direction. You know, um, I'm just thinking. It's a transformation. It's a transformation. A new creation, new creature. You I, can't come into that new creature thing until you die to the old. I remember years ago driving driving a van in a city street and, and I saw this squirrel running across. And he's, he was about halfway across. And he was like, man, I was going to hit him. I mean, no matter what I was going to do. I mean, he if he stayed in that spot, he was going to get run over. And... Um, so he's he's scooting across the street about halfway. He stops, looks up, looks at me, turns around, and runs back the other way. And um, and he was saved. And he was saved. And he and the Lord said to me, "Well, he he repented. He changed. He changed his mind. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. He changed. So his he was mind. wise Changing enough. Changing his mind is not you know in the in the case that illustration doesn't quite cover, but he went back to where he came from. Well, a part of it is true. We go back to where we came from. We belong in our relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. We belong to him. We're created in his likeness and his image. Mm -hmm. And and there has to be this message of repentance. Now, where do you hear this message of repentance? I mean, do you hear it in your church? From Jesus, from John the Baptist? Yeah. Do you hear it in your church? Or is it let's let's try to do this? Let's try to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a matter of transformation, Absolutely. and not only changing your mind, but if you if your thinking is different, your behavior is going to be different. You know, when they, when they came to the baptism of John the Baptist, some of the Pharisees came and he said, "Listen," he said, "You you he said you're a bunch of snakes." You th- you're just coming here. You're going to be onlookers. You're going to check out this baptism. It's a baptism of repentance that he had, mm-hmm. and he said, "Listen, bring forth. If you've really repented, there's going to be fruit worthy of it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there's going to be a, a direction, a, a change in your life, a God ordained." change in your life that you're going to be living in newness of life we're going to be living in the freedom whom the son sets free is free indeed and jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free so what what salvation is is letting go of the lies recognizing them as the lies as the bondages the strongholds uh that we've been held captive by and and it's not like they're they've been our friends it's not like this prison has been our friend however it, we are very used to it. We're very familiar with it. We get so familiar that this becomes another treacherous um, work of the evil spirits to get you to believe, I can't change, nothing's going to change, nothing ever changes, um, why bother? Uh, so we, we sit in this, this place of unbelief or doubt or double-mindedness where we don't get up and say, well, I'm going to just believe God. I'm just going to go see what, what God has. I'm going to just go see um, rather, we just sit down and say, well, nothing ever changes. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's a terrible, terrible binding lie that you need to never speak again. You never need to say, because when you say that, you're giving permission to what is. And, yeah. you're, and, you're, and you're denying what could be. And so, um, again, just looking at what you're talking about with the godly sorrow in Second Corinthians. Um, yeah, chapter chapter seven, 7, beginning of verse 9, he says, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, not that you might suffer that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world 
produces death. So, so there's a big difference between the sorrow of the world where you're in mourning and you have you live bad. in all this regret and you feel bad and you're guilty. So he says the sorrow uh, it, it is a godly sorrow. In, that, in other words, it goes to repentance. Well, it produces it, repentance to salvation. So you got godly sorrow, repentance, salvation. But it comes through the beginning, and the beginning is confession. So confession is acknowledging, I've been duped. I've been lied to. I believe lies. I have operated out of lies. My behaviors come out of those fears. And so I'm confessing, acknowledging what that means, that I did, that I believed a lie. And so therefore, that is the beginning of, before you can change your mind, you have to recognize that you believed a lie. And the Mm -hmm. lie has been so insidious and so subtle that for most part, until the Lord opens our eyes, we don't even see it. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, when he came, he was going in the face of the popular thinking. Totally. The religious thinking the narrative, that's the way people him. thought, you know, and that's why they got mad. Mm-hmm. Some people were glad and some people were mad and said, crucify him. Well, crucify Jesus him. said very boldly and very, very distinctly in Mark chapter one, right away at the, the Gary, very get go when he got out of the wilderness, the very first thing he said, uh, Mark chapter one, um, verse uh, 15, oh, verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So we can say the very same thing. The time is fulfilled. The time, I believe, is fulfilled for the return of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is right in front of you. And it's time to repent. It's time to get on the right side. Not, before so, it's, not yeah, before it's too late. Not someday. And he said, now. Re, he said, believe, repent, change your mind, and believe the gospel. Stop believing the lies. Stop believing the religious traditions. Stop believing the 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 solutions of the world, the devil's solutions, and recognize that you the gospel is the solution. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is death on the cross has made provision for us. So, Well, the thing is, too, on the, on the day of Pentecost, when the, uh, Peter preached the message, it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the convicted. heart. Convicted. They were convicted. Mm-hmm. They realized, man, they've been doing the wrong thing. They were, they were some of the ones this that is were a gift. calling out for the crucifixion of Jesus. And he says uh, they, they were cut to the heart. Um, uh, cut to the heart. It means they were just, they were just basically struck. slaughtered. They were struck with their and revelation they said of their Peter sin. Peter and the rest of the pause, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the big question. You know, we we recognize human beings recognize sinfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, they might not admit it or turn from it or don't know how to get out of it. Recognize sinfulness. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, some people say, well. You know, Adam, we mentioned good. him earlier, you know, just mm-hmm. be good, so figly is gift religion. Um, try harder to be good. Try hard Try hard to be good. What should we do? Oh, or penance. Mm-hmm. You know, pen, repentance is not penance. Mm-hmm. We're not doing all kinds of religious things. To make to, God happy to again. To make God happy mm-hmm. again or yeah. to c- try to cover our sin. That's already been done. But Peter said, verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. 
Now, this is interesting because when you enter into this place of salvation and repentance confession to believe the gospel, to use and allow the gospel to be your, your template for life and the promises of God's word, we enter into another um, dimension of war and battle because Satan hated Jesus. He hates the word. He hates the freedom that it brings us. And he's going to do whatever he can to try to drag you back into the, uh, the, into the grip of the terrible one. And so we need to be in the word of God. We need to understand our newfound freedom. We need to be able to grow in it. The Holy Spirit has been sent to live in your life inside of you to lead you into all truth and victory. We need to learn to allow him to speak to us and walk in the spirit and not go back into the place of fear and anxiety. So walking in the spirit is walking in a place of, of release and, and peace and protection, knowing God's got this no matter what it looks like or feels like, because the devil is always trying to do the smoke and mirrors thing to freak us out, to make us afraid, to push us back across the line. But you know, going back across that line is nothing good for you. There's, the devil's not going to save your life. As a matter of fact, he's going to kill you as soon as he can. And so the only thing we can do is go forward in God, embrace the salvation, read the word, cry out to God for understanding and revelation of that word, and be the new creatures in Christ that the gospel promises that we are. And let that, that become your, your new life. That become your truth, that become your victory, that become your, and then at that point, your life begins to be meaningful and purposeful because now you have a reason. You are not going to die. You're going to live forever, be with Christ. And right now you're in this opportunity where we can stand and having done all to stand against the lies and to help Jesus Christ preach the gospel and rescue people from the destruction that they're in. Yeah. In, in Romans chapter two, verse four, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, mm -hmm. the goodness of God. So God gives us that opportunity to repent. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, uh, yes. so there's, there's that opportunity. It's set before. Acts 17.30, it says that God, now God commands everyone everywhere, everywhere to, to repent. repent. So, again, so if there's a command that comes forth, you can say, okay, either you obey the command or you disobey the command. There's, no, there's nothing in between. So again, just to review, confession means to acknowledge. We're acknowledging the lies. Once you re recognize and acknowledge those lies, then you can repent, change your mind, stop believing those lies, and go into the direction of the truth, which will set you free. It's acknowledging that you have been bound and lived in strongholds and fears and addictions and whatnot, and now God wants you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So confession and repentance are critical to being saved and to walking in the power of that salvation. And so, Father God, we just thank you for this revelation. It's not very complicated, but it's very difficult because people everywhere just are like Adam. They don't want to confess they did anything wrong because they believe if they confess that, they, be they believe that they are wrong and bad. We're not bad. We did bad things, but we were tricked into doing those things. But that doesn't change the truth of who we really are in Christ. So, Father, I pray that you'd straighten out the theologies and the confusions and the lies and that by your gift, your long-sufferingness, your goodness that brings men to repentance, that you drop the revelation of truth and freedom and love and revelation into our lives so that people can truly see and acknowledge their sin and turn from it so that they can walk in your freedoms. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, and we thank you that, um, that repentance is a gift that you allow us, you give us the opportunity to repent. And when we do repent, it's a gift from you. Mm -hmm. Acts 11, uh, 28. 
So at eleven eight. I'm sorry. So we invite so, you. A gift. We invite you today to check out liferecovery.com. And today we'd like to feature um, taking the devil to court. It's a kind of a primer. It's a basic concepts of understanding how the enemy works in our lives. Taking the devil to court. Check it out. You can. It's a book, or you can buy it as a, a PDF. And so that's liferecovery.com. God bless you and uh, be free in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.